Hello and welcome to this episode of By His Word. I am your host and teacher, Candy Carmichael. We are currently discussing the life experiences of various Bible characters to see what can be learned from their examples. This week, we will examine the life of a woman who was deeply impacted by the ministry of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. Mary was a common name in Israel, and this woman is not to be confused with the other Marys who are listed in Scripture. The Mary that most people are familiar with is, of course, the mother of Jesus. There is also the Mary who was the mother of John Mark, one of the disciples of Jesus. In Romans 16, verse 6, there is a Roman disciple of Jesus mentioned whose name was also Mary. Another well-known Bible character who was called Mary was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. These three were very close friends of Jesus, and Mary was known for wanting to sit at the feet of Jesus while her sister did all of the housework and meal preparation. But Jesus commended this Mary for choosing the good part and learning from the ministry of Jesus while she could. This Mary also anointed the feet of Jesus prior to his crucifixion and wiped them with her hair. She is not the same woman who was the sinner in the Pharisee's house and who also anointed Jesus. The Mary we are talking about today is from the town of Magdala, the region of Galilee in northern Israel. All of the disciples of Jesus were from this area, and this would be, and they could be distinguished from others in the country by their distinctive accent. The Galilee was a region of rich farming and fishing that centered around the freshwater lake known as the Sea of Galilee. Most of the ministry of Jesus occurred in this region, and many of his parables were taught there. There were three main provinces of Israel, which were Judea, Samaria, and the Galilee. The main cities in the Galilee were Tiberias and Capernaum. Magdala was a city on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and it was known for being an important fishing center. Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up after his return from Egypt following the death of Herod, was a city in Galilee also. At the time, all of Israel, which was then known as Palestine, was part of the Roman Empire. Jesus' ministry threatened to disrupt the normally peaceful territory that the Romans kept under their strict control. This was because the majority of the parables of Jesus and most of his miracles occurred there. A growing number of believers and followers of Christ threatened Rome's control. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, estimates that the population of Galilee was almost three million people. When Jesus began his public ministry, large crowds would come to the beautiful synagogues or to the vast plains and hills in the area to hear him preach. Because the region was mostly Jewish, the tensions between the Jews and the Roman occupiers were high. The Galileans were highly resistant to Roman rule, and the Romans were forced to use strong measures to quell the rebellion. The town of Magdala, whose name means tower, was on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. Its name also means the place of processing fish, due to its predominant trade of fishing and pickled fish products. It was the birthplace of Mary of Magdala, also known as Mary Magdalene. Since Jesus and his disciples walked wherever they went, it is helpful to know a few of the distances between cities. For example, it was about 125 miles from Magdala to Jerusalem. The lower region of Galilee was about 90 miles north of Jerusalem. Before looking at the life of Mary Magdalene, it is imperative to understand Jewish culture in the time of Jesus. In nearly every culture of the world, women have been regarded as the inferior gender and have been treated as such. 
They are less strong physically and usually more emotional than their male counterparts. As a result, they were often looked down upon by men. In religious societies, especially Judaism, women were blamed for bringing sin into the world and thus a separation from God. It was not until the Apostle Paul clarified this by explaining that the woman, Eve, was deceived. But Adam, the male, sinned deliberately and thus was responsible for bringing sin into the human race. Romans 5 verse 12. Even in the Old Testament, there were a few women who were prominent among the Jewish people, but they were rarely in leadership. Esther is probably the most well-known. She became queen of the Persian king and was instrumental in saving her people from the murderous rampage of Haman. Deborah was a judge. Miriam was a sister of Moses and the praise team leader of the Israelites as they left bondage in Egypt. Hannah's prayers produced the prophet Samuel, and Sarah and Rebekah produced the sons who were the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Yet all of these women had to live under the domination of men. Even Queen Esther had to ask permission to come into the presence of her husband, the king. Conditions had not changed during the time of the arrival of Jesus on the earth. Women were generally relegated to being housewives and the mother of children. They were generally undereducated, and they stayed largely within the confines of the home and the community. In Jewish society, there were two main divisions, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Jesus had much to say about both groups and how they treated both the law of God and their fellow human beings. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead, while the Sadducees did not, and both groups looked down on women as inferior. The Jewish rabbis taught that conversation between a man and a woman, particularly when they did not know each other, was condemned. One rabbinic precept even hinted that perilous consequences were awaiting those in the next life who dared to speak with women. One reason why women were denied education is that to teach her would imply consultation with male scholars, which was forbidden. Under Jewish law in the Old Testament times, a man could choose to divorce his wife, but the wife could not divorce her husband without his consent. Men were required to attend the three main Jewish feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, but women were only required to make a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem once a year. Often, whatever a woman knew of God and his laws came from what her husband or other close family members told her about him. As a result, there was a spiritual barrenness among women and little sense of any personal relationship with God. Women were dependent upon their husbands for shelter, food, and clothing. She was entirely dependent upon him for all economic sustenance. Only the sons of the family received the inheritance, except for the rare instance where there were no sons in the family. A woman was generally not allowed to own property independently of her husband. The wife was responsible for maintaining the household and caring for children. She was expected to obey her husband at all times. She did all the cooking, laundering, weaving, purchasing of food and other household items, getting water from the community well, and tending any gardens or animals that the family raised. If the woman was not married, she was under the guardianship of her father or brothers until she either married or passed away. Women were often hired as professional mourners at funerals. 
if they were allowed to have a small business such as selling fruits, vegetables, baked goods, or perhaps selling woven items or pottery, any money that the woman earned would go to the husband or father. Any skill that she had did not profit her personally. It only added to the wealth of her male relatives. Now, when the time came for a woman to be married, the father often chose the groom. If the woman fell in love with a man that the father did not approve of, then the father could forbid the marriage. When it came to religious education, the women were exempt from studying the Torah or receiving any religious instruction. In the synagogues, there was separate seating for the women. Because they were not allowed to study the scriptures, the women often did not understand the sermons or the scriptures that were presented. So they would sometimes call out to their husbands in the men's section to explain what was being taught. This is why the Apostle Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35 when he said to let the women keep silent in the churches. This did not mean that they could not speak at all, because in the church that arose after Pentecost, women were active in the church in all aspects of ministry, including prophesying and public speaking. The woman could only access the court of the Gentiles or the court of the women at the temple. She was forbidden to enter the temple during her times of monthly cycles or immediately after childbirth because she was considered unclean. So inferior were women considered in this time that an ancient prayer in the synagogue by men reads as follows, Blessed art thou, O Lord God, King of the universe, who has not made me a woman. Because the Galilee was so far from Jerusalem, and a journey there had to be accomplished by walking or by riding a horse or donkey, the Galileans made the trip only rarely. The Pharisees and Sadducees looked down, upon their, uh, looked down their noses on the Galileans as being inferior to the faith. While the elite Jewish groups in Jerusalem adhered to the most minute aspect of the law, the Galileans were far more liberal and considered less worthy of their Jewish heritage. Though we have spent a long time explaining the Jewish culture of that day, an understanding of it is important to know to see the impact that the ministry of Jesus had upon the region in general and Mary Magdalene in particular. Nothing is known of her birth or childhood because no records have ever been found of her life. All that is known about her is recorded in the Gospels. We don't know if Mary lived with her parents, if she was married, or if she had children. But it was this culture that shaped her life up until the time that she met Jesus. As a woman, she would have been secluded within her family and not been very knowledgeable in the scriptures. Yet at some point, Jesus had come to the town of Magdala, and Mary's life was never the same again. Luke states the following about the itinerant ministry of Jesus. Now it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and his disciples were with him. And also certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, including Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons, Luke 8, 1 and 2. We don't know the cause of the demon possession, whether it was due to psychological or physical illness, or how long she had been afflicted with it. But demon possession is very real, and the human beings who are controlled by them suffer terribly. We read of one desperate father whose son was possessed by a demon who was constantly trying to kill the boy by throwing him into the water or the fire. Jesus healed the boy by casting out the demon, Matthew 17, 14-21. 
Mary must have suffered terribly and with not one but seven demons fighting for control of her mind and body. Surely she was rejected by family and friends for being mentally ill and even considered cursed. She had no control over her life and her actions. All attempts at beauty and dignity were destroyed by a demonic attack that left her emotionally and possibly even physically battered. But then Jesus came through Magdala and Mary came in contact with him. Jesus looked beyond her affliction and saw the desperate longing to be free and normal again. Perhaps she was disheveled in appearance, bruised from demonic attacks, or even unable to prevent the demons from manifesting their presence in front of Jesus. While Jesus healed others from demonic possession, they were not named. Yet Mary Magdalene was specifically named as one of whom Jesus cast out seven devils. What a joy it must have been to feel the evil presence leave her body and to look into the loving eyes of the Jesus who saw her worth and delivered her. This deliverance made Mary a passionate follower of Jesus. From that time on, she became a full-fledged supporter of his ministry. The Bible says that she joined other women who were also his supporters, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance, Luke 8.3. When Jesus began his public ministry, he not only explained the nature of God, his Father, and what various scriptures meant, but he began to challenge long-held traditions in the very culture of the region. He especially emphasized the value of women in the kingdom of God. No longer were they to be considered inferior to men and unworthy of learning about God. They were even to be participants in ministry. Let's look at some of the ways that Jesus elevated women to a position of value and even of influence. First of all, Jesus dared to speak to a woman in public. He did not ask permission from any male or walk by without speaking to a woman. If the woman had a need, he met it. For example, Jesus had gone to the city of Nain, and while there, he observed a funeral procession. Instead of just watching silently, he became very involved. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of the disciples were with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came out and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus presented him to his mother. Luke 7, 11-15. Now we're going to take a brief break, and you can find out how you can be witnesses in 177 different countries around the world. We will be right back. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back. 
Jesus knew that this widow of Nain would have no means of financial support with both her husband and son dead. So he first spoke to the woman, telling her not to cry. Then he proved that he had the ability to turn those tears into joy by restoring the young man to life. In another instance, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and it was the Sabbath day. As he was speaking, he noticed a woman in the audience who... Uh, who stood out because of her obvious deformity. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite! Does not each one of you loose his ox and donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years." He loosed, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame, and all of the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Luke thirteen eleven to 17. This passage reflects several things about the cultural attitude towards women. First of all, the synagogue, like all others, would have separate seating for men and women. This woman would have been in the women's section, probably toward the back, so as not to call attention to herself for her difficulty in getting from one place to another. She may have been unable to sit due to her affliction. For Jesus to notice her and to call her out during the message meant that she would have to make her way to where he was sitting, a process that took time as well as captured everyone's attention. Notice that Jesus called it a spirit of infirmity. It was more than an illness or an orthopedic deformity. This had been caused by a demonic spirit. No doubt the woman not only suffered physical pain, but she must have experienced rejection or even fear from those who may have thought that she was cursed or had sin in her life that brought on this affliction. Jesus dispelled those notions by speaking to her publicly and by laying his hands on her to heal. Instantly, the demonic spirit fled without a word, and the woman was able to stand up straight for the first time in 18 years. The ruler of the synagogue was outraged as at the interruption on the Sabbath service, especially because this miracle was a public one that opened hearts to the ministry of Jesus. Elite Jewish rulership was very particular about following the smallest detail of their laws, and to break one of them, especially for a woman, would never be done. But Jesus pointed out the ruler's hypocrisy with a few well-chosen phrases, and the, women, and the woman became an instant follower of Jesus, as did many in the audience. In another instance, Jesus was asked by Jairus to come to the home of Jairus because his only daughter was dying. But on the way, Jesus had another public encounter with a woman. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could, and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, 
Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Luke eight forty two to 48 The woman who was healed had endured years of female problems, but was unable to find relief. She not only would have experienced pain, but also anemia from the chronic blood loss. This would result in fatigue and possible rapid heartbeat and shortness of breath. Even more distressing was the constant blood flow that would make her considered to be unclean in society. She would be prevented from contact with others, especially in public places, including the synagogue, to be put to be out in public could have resulted in literally a death sentence. This is why she approached Jesus from behind and literally needing to crawl through the crowd to touch the prayer fringe around the hem of his robe. Jesus not only spoke to the woman, but he removed any possibility of her execution. He recognized the special touch that the woman had. This was the touch of faith that literally drew the healing power out of him. Mary Magdalene and the other women who supported Jesus financially may have seen this or some of the other examples. If Jesus was ministering in their local areas, then they would very possibly be in the crowds to hear his preaching. Seeing how he ministered to the women must have greatly encouraged them to be bold in their own faith. One of the most memorable stories of how Jesus related to women is the story of the woman at the well in Samaria. The Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile, and they were despised by both groups of the so-called purebloods. It was about noon, and Jesus sat down near Jacob's well in the town. This was the town of Sychar. While his disciples went into the city to buy food, a woman came to draw water from the well. Jesus immediately engaged her in conversation by asking her for a drink of the well water. The woman was astonished, first of all, that Jesus would speak to her as a woman that he did not know. Also, she recognized him as being Jewish and was amazed that he would speak to her, a Samaritan. But as Jesus began to unveil the woman's immoral past, she realized that he was more than just a mortal man. By the end of the conversation, she recognized him first as a prophet and then later as the promised Messiah. When the disciples returned from the city, they displayed their own prejudice by marveling that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. But this encounter produced far more than just the salvation of one woman. Empowered by her newfound revelation and faith, the woman returned to the city, John 4, 1-27. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, John 4, 28-30 and 39. Because Jesus went against the cultural norms, not only was a woman from a, from a despised ethnic group saved, but she became bold enough to preach the good news of Jesus to men and to bring about a revival in a city that resulted in many new believers. 
At the end of three and a half years of ministry, opposition from both the Jews and the Romans had grown considerably. The Jews were threatened by the ministry of Jesus that challenged their authority and the validity of their man-made laws. The Romans had heard of Jesus setting up a kingdom, but they did not understand that it was a spiritual kingdom and it was not an earthly one at this time. Jesus had warned his disciples that the time was coming when he would be killed, but he would rise again on the third day. Now the disciples were stuck on the phrase, be killed, and the fact that Jesus would rise again on the third days was lost to them. We do not know what the women who had heard this thought of the saying. When Jesus was arrested and put through the sham of trial and scourging, he was finally brought before the people along with Barabbas, who was a murderer. The people were asked to choose which of the two prisoners they wanted released. The Jews stirred up the crowd to ask for Barabbas, and Jesus was hauled away to be crucified with two thieves. Jesus was barely recognizable as they as he struggled to carry his cross up the hill. When he finally collapsed from weakness and blood loss and the weight of the cross, then Simon of Cyrene was pulled from the crowd and compelled to carry the cross the rest of the way to Calvary. Matthew 27:32. Now crucifixion was not a Jewish means of execution, it was a an incredibly cruel means of Roman execution at the time. Large nails were driven into the wrists and the feet of the condemned prisoners, and they died by suffocation and blood loss. It was, a very, it was very difficult to watch a person die by this method. A crowd gathered around those three who were being executed that day, which happened to be the Jewish feast of Passover. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were looking on from afar among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joses, and mother and the mother of Zebedee's sons, Matthew 27, 55 and 56. Remember that it was about 125 miles from Magdala to Jerusalem. So Mary Magdalene was a long way from home at the time that Jesus was crucified. At first, she and the other women stood afar off as Jesus was being nailed to the cross and then lifted into position. But then some of the women moved closer. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. John 19.25 It must have been almost unbearable to see the one that they had followed for so long hanging on a criminal's cross and near death. Now, most scholars believe that those who were crucified during this time were also naked. This added to their public shame. Every, every, every indignity imaginable had been done to Jesus, and within a few hours, he was dead. Now, for three hours, from noon until 3 o'clock p.m., there had been darkness over the land. At the moment of Jesus' death, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, and there was also an earthquake, and great fear fell on all those who were watching. The women watched as Joseph of Arimathea and others took down the body of Jesus from the cross, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in the, in the new tomb of Joseph who was nearby. And the women noted where the tomb was located, Matthew 27, 45, 
51 and 57 to 61. Mary Magdalene went alone to the tomb on the first day of the week while it was still dark. The stone was rolled away, so she ran to tell Peter and John what she had seen. They entered the tomb and saw that it was empty and the grave clothes neatly folded. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and when she saw the angels sitting inside the tomb where the body were la- was, had lain, they asked why she was weeping, and she said it was because someone had taken away the body of Jesus. She then turned to see another person standing nearby, but she did not recognize him at first. John 20, 1-14. Then Jesus spoke to her name, and instantly she knew it to be Jesus. Then Jesus himself commissioned Mary, a woman, to go to the men and to preach the good news of his resurrection. Go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. John 20, 17 and 18. Other women who had also come with Mary to the tomb to anoint the body with spices saw the angels who were there, but it was Mary to whom, who was the first to see him and to be the first evangelist. Jesus had broken all cultural norms and forever elevated women to an equal status in the kingdom of God. They were just as capable as the men of sharing the good news of redemption through Jesus Christ. Gender does not affect anointing, so if the Lord has given you a gift of music, of teaching, of evangelism, then use it to share the gospel. You are just as commissioned, just as called, and just as anointed as your male brethren. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.28. Until the next episode, keep looking up and listening for that trumpet sound. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.